Hey, Tyler Shields here, pastor of Rock House Baptist Church. I want to personally thank you for tuning in to our podcast today. We pray that the message inspires you, encourages you, challenges you to be the person that God desires you to be. Be sure to check us out online at rockhousebaptist.org where you can find out more about how to connect, grow, and go. And now, today's message. So this morning, we're going to begin a new series on the life of a man by the name of Joseph. And I'll be honest, I've been wanting to preach on Joseph's life for a long time. It was so fascinating when you dig into the life of this man, Joseph. Now, I looked at, I tried to figure out what are we going to call this series because you look at Joseph's life, there's so many themes that come up. And I thought about, uh, like, life in the hands of a great God, kind of in contrast to sinners in the hands of an angry God. I thought about the God-driven life because Joseph's life, even when it was crazy, God was in control of his life. But then I thought, you know, maybe they would just talk about highs and lows, which for Joseph was quite literal. He was like low in the pit, and then he was high in the palace. But what does, what does Joseph's life really mean to us? And as I reflected on that, I thought, yeah, we're going to talk about some of his highs. We're going to learn from some of his lows. But at the end of the day, Joseph's life reminds us life happens. Life happens. Good things happen, bad things happen, there's going to be highs, there's going to be lows, there's going to be a lot of surprises, there's going to be things that you, you, you didn't ever expect to happen, there's going to be times of triumph and, and victory, there's going to be a lot of failure like yesterday, um, uh, but life is going to happen, there's going to be, uh, it's just life, that's all we can say about it, it's just life. And we see that from Joseph's life. And, and what we, we realize that as life happens, as life unfolds, God is still very much in control of all of it. Now, I find that pretty comforting and exciting, knowing that God is the one that's ultimately driving this, this thing. I believe, and I believe the Bible teaches that God has a plan and a purpose for each of our lives, a plan and a purpose that transcends whatever situation we may find ourselves in in life, whatever pit, whatever prison, even whatever palace that we find ourselves in, God has a good and perfect and righteous plan for us. As Jeremiah says, a plan to prosper you and not to harm you, a plan to give you a future and a hope. I, I, I cling to that. But part of the process of every pit, of every prison, even of every palace, and these are all things that Joseph experienced in his life, part of that process is learning how to trust God just a little bit more. And not only learning how to trust God, but learning how to maintain a strong dependence on and a strong relationship with God through whatever. Because how many people know that Life's going to happen. Yeah. It's going to happen, isn't it? There's going to be people that betray you. There's going to be people that stick with you that you don't even know why they're still around. There's going to be 
dreams that come true. There's going to be dreams that fall apart. There's going to be deaths. There's going to be births, sometimes surprise births, but births. There's going there's going to be things that just break and fall apart. And there's going to be times where everything just seems to work out perfectly. It's called life. It's all part of this game that we call life. And thankfully, thankfully, we have a God that very carefully oversees all of that. And along the way, he tenderly cares for each and every one of us. Joseph's story is really our story. It's a story about life. And so let's talk about this man, Joseph. Joseph is probably an underrated character, but he's so important. Nearly two-thirds of the book of Genesis is dedicated to the story and life of this man, Joseph. Without the story of Joseph, think about what we would miss out on. If with no Joseph, you don't have God's people in Egypt. Without Joseph, there's no need for a Moses to deliver and lead God's people out of slavery. Without Joseph, there's no exodus out of the land of Egypt. There's no parting of the Red Sea. There's no 40 years in the wilderness. No conquest of the land of Canaan. But sometimes, here's a thing for his life. Sometimes somebody has to spend some time in the pit so everybody else gets to walk through parted waters. Isn't that cool? So today we want to talk about Joseph's dream. It's the first part of Joseph's story there in Genesis chapter 37. And I call this message, Dare to Dream. Most of us either have dreams for our lives, or we could say we once had dreams for our lives, and for whatever reason, we've let them go. And this morning, I want to encourage us and challenge us to start dreaming again. I used to have a dream. Well, first of all, let me talk about this. I realized one dream, I never really had this dream, and, and yesterday I was reminded why. It's why I can't pick up nothing this morning. I never really dreamed to be a professional athlete. And yesterday when we played in the softball tournament and I woke up this morning and couldn't get out of bed, I remember why. <laughs> I'm going to stick to just preaching, I think. I've never been hit by a Mack truck, and I thought I was in pretty good shape. But I used to have this dream <laughs> when I was a teenager. I was going to be like a, a songwriter or a country music I was going to be the next George Strait, you know, the king of country. I was going to take his place on the throne. But one thing we've got to remember is not every dream of ours is the dream that God has for our own lives. But when we align our dreams with the dreams that God has, man, you better watch out. There ain't no devil, ain't no hell, ain't nothing in life going to slow you down when your plan aligns with what God's plan is for your life. Let's look at Genesis chapter 37, verses 1 through 11. I don't have four points in an Oliver call this morning. We're going to go right through the scripture because this is, this is one of my favorite parts of the Bible because it's just a story. It's like reading a storybook and you can look at, you can see your own life right in the middle of it. Genesis chapter 37 says, Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. These are the family records of Jacob. At 17 years of age, Joseph tended sheep with his brothers. The young man was working with the sons of Bilhah and Zilpah, his father's wives, and he brought a bad report about them to their father. Let me give you a little background on Joseph. All right? This is not the Joseph the carpenter that was the stepdad of Jesus. So 
I know some people are thinking, ain't, they, ain't Joseph, Jesus, but no, this is a different Joseph, okay? Long before then, this is the, the son of Jacob, who was the son of Isaac, who was the son of Abraham. And so Joseph is Abraham's great-grandson. And his dad, Jacob, whose name God changed to Israel, that's, that's really another sermon for another day right there. Matter of fact, I, I was thinking about this. That's the first sermon I ever preached here at Rock House. Was the story about when, when Jacob wrestled with God all night and at the end of this fight, God looked at him and blessed him and he changed his name from Jacob to Israel. And I told you guys, some of the, the five of you that were here probably remember this. <laughs> the, 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 the point was... You don't have to be known as the things that you once were known as when God intervenes in your life. You don't have to be called a sinner anymore. You don't have to be called an addict anymore or a drunk anymore. When God saves you, He gives you a brand new identity in Jesus Christ. Well, anyway, that's a different, different message. Let's get back on track. But that's Joseph's father. I want you to realize his heritage, where he's coming from. That's Joseph's dad. And Joseph's father, Jacob, had a few wives. He had Rachel and Leah. And then he had these two slave girl wives, Bilhah and Zilpah. But the only one that he ever really loved was this girl named Rachel. But Rachel was never able to give him any children. So he loved Rachel. Finally, in his old age, he gets a son by Rachel. It's her firstborn son. It's his 11th born son. Apparently Jacob had patience issues. Again, that's another sermon for another day. But because Jacob loved Rachel more than these other women, Jacob loved Joseph more than his other sons. Moving on to verse 3. It says, Now Israel, who was also Jacob, loved Joseph more than his other sons because Joseph was a son born to him in his old age, and he made him a robe of many colors. He didn't just give it to him. It says he made him a robe of many colors. Now we all know the story about Joseph's coat of many colors, right? We've probably heard it in Sunday school. We've probably seen cartoons about it. But do we really know what it means? The coat wasn't just a nice coat. And it wasn't special just because it was a colorful coat. Think of this coat as a, a mantle. Almost as if it's a torch that's being passed. So when Jacob put the coat on Joseph, it was as Joseph, if Jacob was saying that Joseph is the one that's going to someday take my place in this family. Joseph is the one that one day he's going to be the head of this family and the head of this clan and ultimately the head of this nation of people that God is calling out. And so he was treating Joseph as if Joseph was the firstborn son, even though he was last in line at this point. Even if he was technically the firstborn to Rachel. He's Jacob's 11th. And you've got to realize, I'm giving you a lot of background information here because it, it sets the stage for Joseph's life. You've got to realize, old daddy Jacob, he'd seen this exact scenario before in his own life, hadn't he? He didn't have a real high regard for these kinds of customs and these kinds of rules. If you remember the story of Jacob and Esau, Jacob stole Esau's birthright by selling him a bowl of soup. I mean, who trades their birthright for a bowl of soup? Again, that's a whole other sermon in a, a different day. 
But he, he took his birthright, and then he, he, he took his brother's blessing from their father Isaac by dressing up in, in goat's hair, and his dad couldn't see, and he stole the blessing from Esau as well. So, so Jacob repeats this scam in the life of his son Joseph with his own children. How many know that if you're not careful, the sins of your past will rear their ugly head again in your life? They'll come back if you don't keep them squashed. How many know if you're not careful, you'll resurrect your own past transgressions in the lives of your children? That's why we have to let the past remain in the past. And so this skeleton in Jacob's closet sets the stage for the life of Joseph. And you can imagine what his brothers thought about this. Especially Reuben. Reuben was the firstborn. He's the one that rightfully deserved the coat and the inheritance and the authority. But imagine how they felt when they realized that their dear old dad loved this half-breed little boy more than them. It was going to treat him differently. It was going to give more of the inheritance to him. And he would someday put this kid as the head of their family. Look what happened in verse 4. It says, When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not bring themselves to speak peaceably to him. You ever just find yourself having to deal with that one person <laughs> that for whatever reason, you just can't find anything in you good to say when they come up. You, you see them coming like, oh great, here comes old bundle of joy again. <laughs> and you just, you just, you, 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 don't, you don't even hardly say anything to them. And if you do, it's just not nice. That's the way these guys felt about their brother. They hated him, Genesis says. They resented him. They were jealous of him. I want to focus on that for a minute, on these brothers. Because it seems like Joseph didn't really care. He, I mean, he was the favorite. He had it all. He didn't care what they thought. But, these brothers. I think we find ourselves like them a lot. I mean, I know I do. We get so jealous. And I'm telling you, jealousy will, will rot you away on the inside. We say things like, well, look what, look what they let so-and-so. Can you believe they let so-and-so sing at church today? And they didn't let me sing. Hey, he asked me, did you see what they got? And we get so jealous. I can't believe that, that they said that to my kid. Or they let so-and-so's kid do that. But look, they don't, let, they don't even know it's my kid. Or, 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 or can you believe who didn't, who didn't say anything to me today? But I seen them talking to so-and-so. And we get, we get that little root of jealousy inside of us. And we're all guilty of it. I, myself included. But here's the problem. When, when that happens, when we let that fester, we let something that should have been nothing take control of our lives to the point that it affects our home life, it affects our church life, it affects our work life, and it even affects our families. Look what happened to this family. It all started with jealousy, with resentment and bitterness that brewed into all-out hatred. And the brothers could deal with the... The, the jealous hatred, I think. But Joseph being young, I think Joseph was a little naive when he started sharing his dreams. 
I think the brothers could handle the coat. I think they could probably handle the extra love, and they could probably get over him getting more of the inheritance. But what they couldn't deal with was when Joseph actually began to share with them, and they got a little taste of Joseph's attitude in this whole matter. Folks, sometimes it's not just what you say, but it's how you say it. Even if it's true, if you speak the truth the wrong way or at the wrong time, you can tear somebody down instead of building them up. His brothers, even though it was true that they would one day bow down to him, they weren't ready to hear that. <laughs> and they couldn't handle it. Let's look at the rest of the passage. It says, then, on top of everything else, then Joseph had a dream. We need to start dreaming some more. Joseph had a dream. When he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. <laughs> you can just imagine this conversation. Listen to this. If he was around here, he said, boys, you ain't going to believe this. Listen to this. He said, there we were, binding sheaves of grain in the field. Suddenly, my sheaf stood up. And your sheaves gathered around it and bowed down to my sheaf. And they said, Are you really going to, to reign over us? His brothers asked him. Are you really going to rule us? So they hated him even more because of his dream and what he had said. He hadn't done anything yet. He just said what his dream was. Verse 9, then he had another dream and told it to his brothers. Look, he said, I, I had another dream, and this time the sun, the moon, and eleven stars were bowing down to me. He told his father and brothers, and his father rebuked him. What kind of dream is that that you had, he said? Am I and your mother and your brothers really going to come and bow down to the, to the ground before you? <laughs> if they only knew. His brothers, and there's that word, were jealous of him. But his father kept the matter in mind. Isn't that interesting? And I think the reason his father kept the matter in mind is kind of like father, like son. Jacob had some dreams in his life, some dreams that dealt with inheritances and brothers, and he kind of knew what was shaping up here. So imagine these brothers. Again, they already hate Joseph, <laughs> and they're probably out there in the field working like dogs, providing for the family, doing their part for their father like good sons were. And then along comes little Joseph. And little Joseph comes up in his coat of many colors, and he's like, hey, guys, you want to hear my dream? I just imagine that's what he sounded like at 17. At, at least in their mind, that's what he sounded like. And, and they're like, no, we don't want to hear your dream. We don't even want to listen to you. We hate you. We hate your coat. We hate the fact that you were ever born. Just go away. We don't care about your dream. I just want to add a side note in here. Even for we Christians, sometimes we can share a little too much, especially when we get on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and whatever else we use. Sometimes just in conversation, we can walk up to somebody and, and it may, we may feel like we really need to just spill our... Sometimes we share too much and people aren't ready for it. But here's a, here's a little truth. Nobody's going to care as much about your dream as you do. And this works two ways. They may not care, even
even if it's huge to you. So you've got to kind of get them on board with what your dream is. But the other thing, folks, is people may not care about your dream because, honestly, you don't care about it anymore either. We'll talk more about that here in just a minute. But let's turn the page from the brothers to Joseph. Joseph doesn't really care. It don't seem that his brothers, 11 brothers, hate his stinking guts, and he don't care at all. I kind of like that attitude, in a way. Because we know, because we had the full story, we know that his dream is a dream from God. He don't care that, that it's going to tick them off. He don't care that someday it's going to take him to the pit. That one day his dream is going to take him to the prison. Can I just say that when you have a dream or a vision that's from God, it don't matter what everybody else thinks. It don't matter how much that it really just rubs people the wrong way, how jealous it makes everybody else. When God puts a dream in your heart, when God places His will before you, the only thing that really matters at that point is obedience to God. And I would add this, as you, continue, as you follow your dream, you've got to remember to continue to chase God rather than chasing your dream. That's what, one thing we learned from Joseph. Because here's why. Here's problem number one. Very quickly. Problem number one. Not every dream we dream is a dream from God. Does anybody else have some weird dreams at night? Oh, I'm glad I'm not alone. I'm so glad somebody raised their hand. I, I, I'm one of these people I have very vivid dreams. And when I dream, it's, it's everything from Taliban to preaching. I wake up in the middle of the night shouting uh, to dolphins. and weird, I mean, I'm just all over the place. But some dreams are from the Lord, and some are just indigestion, man. And we got to learn to follow that Holy Spirit. Was that pizza last night, Lord, or was that you trying to tell me something? we got to figure out which ones are from God. And, and when I say dreams, I don't just mean a, a, a dream in the middle of the night. I'm talking about a vision. I'm talking about a hope, a picture of what you believe life will look like in the future. That's what a dream is. So how do you know if your dream is a dream from God? How do you know if your plan and your way is God's will? First thing you want to do is measure it against God's word. Have I ever preached about how important it is to be in the Bible and to read the Bible? I think I've talked, some people are laughing, I think I've talked about that before, about reading the Word, spending time in the Word. God's will will never contradict God's Word. So if you're in the Word, you want to have a pretty good idea about what God's will is all about if you're spending time talking to the Lord. So if it's God-glorifying, Christ-exalting, and Holy Spirit-led, chances are it's a pretty good plan. Here's problem number two, though. This is where we're going to end up this morning. Problem number two is many of us have simply stopped dreaming. We stopped dreaming because no matter what your dream is, your dream's going to make you different. <laughs> dreams tend to make you different. Really, that's what the brothers hated about Joseph. It wasn't the fact that he had the code. It wasn't necessarily the fact that he was loved more, but he was... He was different. He wasn't like them. He had a different mother. He was treated different by their father all around. He had a dream, a place he wanted to get to in life that differentiated him from the rest of them. 
And in today's world, people simply don't like to be different. We live in cookie-cutter houses with cookie-cutter families, driving cookie-cutter cars to cookie-cutter jobs, most of the time tending cookie-cutter churches, unless you go here. And we're a little different because we had a dream that said it's going to be okay to be different than everybody else because we want different results. But we have stopped daring to dream because we're afraid of how different it may make us appear. It made Joseph different. And we're going to find out as we go through his story, it cost him greatly. When I think about dreams, I can't help but think about Martin Luther King Jr. and his wonderful speech, I Have a Dream. Martin Luther King Jr. had a dream and it cost him his life because of that dream. You know, Jesus Christ was a little bit different. And he gave his life for us. But my point is, if it's God's plan, if it's God's will, if it's God's dream for your life, who cares what it costs? Who cares what everybody else thinks about it? I don't work for anybody else. I work for God. And I trust that his plan is good. Very quickly, another reason that we've stopped dreaming is because we've drifted so far in life from what we thought our dream life would look like. And we can't really see a way back. We once had this dream, this idea of what things are going to look like. And guess what? Life happened. And suddenly we say, Wait a minute, Lord. This don't feel like what I saw years ago. This don't look like what, what I thought you were going to make my life be like. I thought that I'd be this by age 30 or I'd be this by age 40. Lord, I, I thought I'd still be married. And some people could say, Lord, I thought I'd be married in the first place or I'd have kids or something. thought I'd be more successful. But because our current situation doesn't feel like our dream, we simply stop dreaming. Am I talking to anybody? Okay. When Joseph shared his dream, oh man, when Joseph shared his dream, he didn't know the pit was coming in a few days. He didn't know that being sold as a slave to a bunch of Arabs was going to be part of him reaching his dream. He didn't know that prison was coming even though he'd never done anything wrong, but he still dared to dream. And when those things happened, what Joseph did was he chased God more and more and more, and he chased God more than he chased the dream, and it was God that sustained Joseph through the pit and through the prison, and ultimately it was God that put Joseph in the palace. <laughs> God has a dream for each and every one of our lives, and I'll tell you right now, it's to put you in the palace. And you're thinking, oh, here he goes. He's, he's fell off the prosperity wagon here. God wants you to be in the palace with King Jesus one of these days. I'm not talking about health and wealth and all kinds of money, but one day God wants to take you out of whatever pit or prison that you're in and sit you right there with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords in His palace. 
And that's my dream for some of you today is to take that step and say yes to Jesus. For everybody else, some of you just need to understand that you could be simply one pit away from seeing those dreams realized. You could be one more day in that prison, whatever it is, one day away from seeing your dreams realize, seeing God's dream for your life come true. And if that's you, I want to encourage you, don't give up on yourself. We beat ourselves up a lot, but don't give up on yourself. Don't, certainly don't give up on God who placed that dream in your heart. Don't stop praying. Don't stop chasing after the Lord. Don't stop trusting in Him. Church, let's, let's start dreaming again, Christians. It's time that we just stop sitting back. Let's get active again. Let's start dreaming again. Let's, let's dream about what our families could look like if they all started coming to Jesus. Let's make some big dreams for our church. Make some big dreams for our community. My prayer is that God would give us as a church a bigger vision about what He wants to do with our lives. Well, stand with me as we close in prayer. Father God, this morning we remember and we acknowledge that, Lord, life is a lot of ups and a lot of downs. It happens. It happens day in and day out. But Lord, even when we find ourselves in the deepest, darkest pit or the deepest, darkest prison, Lord, we know you're there. Lord, as the psalmist prayed, where can I go? That <laughs> you're not there. And God, you're with every one of us. God, I know you have big plans for our lives. And Lord, the greatest plan that you have is for us to have a relationship with you through Jesus Christ. Lord, there's people here that are living. They've spent their entire lives in the pit. God, there's people in this room that we are praying, Lord, that they come out of that, that turn their life over to Jesus so that one day, one day, they could be in the palace. Oh, Lord. God, we want to see them in heaven someday. And God, if there's that person here this morning that don't have a relationship with you, God, give them the courage, the strength. God, whatever it takes to come and just say yes to Jesus. Lord, for the rest of us that have stopped dreaming because of whatever happened in life, whether we've been hurt, we've been busy, whatever's taking place, help us to start dreaming again. Help us, Lord, as followers of Christ, to start asking you what it is that you want to do with us. How do you want to use us? How will you use us to reach our one? What big thing will you have us do? Because you made us. Lord, we need to acknowledge that we are, in fact, yours. God, we give this time of prayer to you in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, if you need to come and pray, if you need to come and accept Christ, if you just need to come and start seeking God's dream for your life, whatever it is, why don't you come as we sing this morning. Let us pray with you. Thanks again for tuning in today. Remember, the greatest decision that you could ever make 
is to place your faith in Jesus Christ for salvation and begin a personal relationship with Him. Again, thanks for listening. God bless.